Welcome to Library Life, the podcast where we talk about all things library and something not. My name is Jenna. And my name is Shana. And this week we're talking about classic books and Ernest Hemingway. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about a book that we both read. Which... <laughs> oh, that's so much sass. It's like the first minute of the episode. Um, yeah, so we kind of decided we were going to try this thing since we were visiting Ernest Hemingway's house in Key West. Mm-hmm. So we decided that it would be cool if we could read a book um, that he wrote. And then we decided we should read the same book so that we can discuss it and just... Yeah, we wanted to talk about it on the podcast and then yeah, talk- and then we're sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was just gonna say then talk a little bit about kind of our experience yes. when we went to visit his house. Basically, it's like an excuse to talk about our vacation. Basically, <laughs> and then but like legitimately in the second half after the reading break, um, we do want to branch it into yeah. more talk about like the role of classics and yeah, our thoughts on classic novels. Yeah, and in terms of classics and reader's advisory and mm-hmm. what role they have and all that. So, I hope you like it. A yeah. um, little bit of a different format, but I think it'll be fun to do sort of something a little book clubby. Although, as Shana told me before we started recording, it's not a book club because there's only two people. <laughs> but I think, like, what what is the, like, um, quota for a book club? I don't, I don't know. I don't think we should really classify what... We're about what to, we're about to it's do a book, book discussion. <laughs> call it's a buddy it read. If a you buddy want to call read. <laughs> that sounds way better than book club. Um, anyways. Anyways, so let's just jump into it. Okay, so we're going to start by talking about the book we decided to read and a little bit of the lead up and then kind of how that affected our touring. Yeah, for sure. So the book that we decided to read together is The Old Man in the Sea. Like I said, it's by Ernest Hemingway. Um, we mainly picked this book because it was short. <laughs> <laughs> too true, too true. I think it's like maybe 100 pages, if that. I feel like it's a little more than 100, but yeah, it's super it's short. Around that. And I think we already had a copy of it, didn't we? Yes, which we no longer have a copy of it. <laughs> so our copy of the book, <laughs> let me tell you the story of how this book was read. So we discussed this like what, like a month or two before we went away? Yeah. So we went on a cruise in the Caribbean with our family, and part of this was that we were going to be stopping in the Key West, mm-hmm. and one of the big attractions in the Key West is it, Ernest Hemingway's house. house that he lived in for, I think, like seven or eight years. Yeah. When he with lived. his second wife. With his second wife? I can't keep it all straight with the wives. Pauline. Good for you for remembering. <laughs> so... Like, a month or two before we went on the cruise, we're like, oh, let's read this book, and, like, we can do an episode about it. It's going to be great. Yeah. And then, like, a week before, we're like, oh, yeah, we should read that book, shouldn't we? Yeah, and I had purchased a copy of The Old Man in the Sea a while ago. It was one yeah. from, like, chapters from one of those, like, $5 yeah. books kind of like a, a thing. Yeah, a cheap one. Yeah. So I read it first, because I'm a slower reader. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I should read this first, and... What I had done is I put it in my purse because it's so little. Mm-hmm. And I just was reading it on my breaks at work. And you know, they're like 15-minute breaks, yeah. right? Yeah. And I wasn't like super like... It wasn't a page turner. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I wasn't like, I gotta read this book, you know? So yeah. I just kind of like loped along with it. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a week before the cruise or a couple days before the cruise. Yep. And we were like, 
uh, are you going to finish that so I can read it? <laughs> um, so I finished reading it on the plane. Yep. To Fort Love Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I handed it over to Shana. I was, like, feeling so sick from the motion. Yeah. But I was like, I gotta finish this book so I can get to the other books I brought and just so I can be all ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I handed it over to Shana. And then what happened to it, Shana? Well, I was in the middle of reading another book. So I just kind of threw it in my backpack. And then about mm, second day of our cruise, Jenna was like, are you going to read that book? <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess I should. So I pulled it out and I took it with me when we were just going to lounge on the ship somewhere Yeah. to read. And then I don't know what happened to it after that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so some person on the cruise is probably reading our copy of The Old Man in the Sea. And I think I might have written it. I might have, like, annotated it. Like, I might have said, like, ha-ha, or, like, that's so sad, or something. So, if someone's reading that... So, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I thought afterwards they had, like, a little, um, uh, like, a take-one-leave-one kind of library, mm-hmm. lending library sort of thing, uh, in one of the parts of the boat. And I thought, oh, we should have checked there, because it probably ended up back there. Mm-hmm. Or in Lost and Found. My aunt was like, did you check the Lost and Found, like, on the last day? And I'm like, oh... <laughs> no, it even, never occurred to us. I know, I didn't even think that. I was just kind of like, oh, well, whatever. I read so, it. So, long story short, I didn't actually read it before we went to the house. I know, Shana fell down on the job. Um, but I have since read it, so we can actually Did you say you listened to the audiobook? Yeah, so I, I got an audio from my Kobo app, because you know how I have all those free credits? Yeah. And it was only two and a half hours long, so that was How really do you have all those free credits? I, I'm not sure. I purchase ebooks from Kobo, like, Maybe once or twice a year. And you and have then, like a million free Yeah, credits. and they just keep giving me a free. I don't know if I opted into something or whatever. Oh, well, I guess just take whatever. it. Whatever. I'm not, com- I'm not looking gifted horse in math. Yeah. Is so, it all audiobook credits? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, well, because they just introduced their audiobooks. Like, oh, maybe, so it's like a promotional like a thing? Ago, so I think it's a promotional thing. I don't know. Oh. I'm not really questioning it. So, <laughs> anyways. Um, and it was lovely because it was read by Donald Sutherland. So it was very soothing. <laughs> To me. Who is that again? Uh, he's a Canadian actor. He was in the Hunger Games. He played um the main the dictator guy. Snow. Oh, the old guy. Yeah. What else has he been in? Um, a bunch of other movies that I can't. Is he related of. to Kiefer Sutherland? I don't think so. Okay, because that's all I could picture was Kiefer Sutherland, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. No. Okay, cool. So, you listened to the audiobook, I yes. read the book book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about what we thought of it. Um, I actually liked it. I think, wait, wait, hang on, before we get into it. Have you read Hemingway before? No, this is my first time reading Hemingway. This so. is my first time reading a Hemingway novel. I did an English degree, so obviously <laughs> I've read some Hemingway, short stories mostly. Mm-hmm. I just remember, I think in high school, I read... Uh, Hills Like White Elephants, one of his short stories, and it was like, mind blown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would feel the same way now, but, you know. When you were in high school. So I felt like it was amazing, so I should look it up and read it again and see if I still feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So anyways, you said you liked it? I did like it. It was very far departure from what I normally read, uh-huh. and I don't know if I would have actually, like, read it if we weren't, if we weren't going to visit his house. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's like, it's kind of like what we talked about in our book club episode, even though this is not a book club that we're doing, <laughs> um, that when you are kind of more forced to read something, 
Yeah. Then you read things you wouldn't normally read. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about, like, the style? I actually really liked the style. I thought it was a quick read. Like, all quick listen to, if you will. Yeah. Um, to me, it felt very much like just one long scene. Yeah. Like, I think that's kind of the point of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I thought, like... It was interesting just, like, having one character in the middle of the ocean kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I read the book, right? So it was a different experience. Yeah. And I think we actually talked about this in our episode about audiobooks. Probably. I'm just plugging all the episodes we've done <laughs> so far. But I, um, I think when you're reading the actual book, you have to engage with it a little more. Yeah. Versus when you're listening to the audiobook, you can just let it happen to you. Mm-hmm. So reading the book... It was, it's like, it's not hard to read. That's the thing, no. right? Like, it's not like Wuthering Heights or something. Like, that type of classic. Wuthering Heights, it's Wuthering Heights. Uh, well, how do you say it? Wuthering Heights. There's a U in there, not an I. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no one's withering. I'm withering when I try to read it. That's, that's true. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways. Classic, classic. <laughs> I always say things wrong. That's how you know you read a lot, yeah. is when you pronounce things wrong. Because you've read them so many times. <laughs> Anyways, Anyways, back to talking about Old Man and Sea. The style, what I'm trying to say is that the style is not hard to read. No. It's not dense. No, not at all. I guess, like, for me, I was interested at first, and then I felt like it kind of dragged in the middle. I could see that. How did you feel? Um, I kind of would agree with you in the middle. Like, it kind of dragged. Like, are you, like, kind of the part where... Um, he's hooked the fish and he's just being dragged along. Is that where you thought it would? No, I think once he got the fish, I was like, okay, something's happening. Oh, uh, so like before. It was like before when he's just like in the ocean and like. Watching his lines. and Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> so that part I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. But I mean, that's not a big complaint. No. I was just kind of like, okay, like I let's have something happen. But I think you kind of needed that pacing stuff. Yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't read The Old Man and the Sea, mm-hmm. maybe we should give a little bit of a uh, yeah. short synopsis. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's about an old man. That's the title, Old Man and the Sea. No kidding. No kidding, right? I think his name is Santiago. No. Yeah, it is. Is it? Or is that the mm. name of the boy? No, I don't think. I think. I didn't think he had a name. I just thought it was the old man. No, because I think the boy refers to him as Santiago. Santiago? Santiago. Um, I'll yeah. look it up. So he's this old fisherman who, um, I think it's quite poor. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a mattress, doesn't really have a lot I of food. I think he has a mattress. I think they're old newspapers. That's kind of what. Oh. I remember that being discussed. Um, and he's in, I think they're in Cuba. I think so. Um, and he lives in this old hut. Yeah, in... because Hemingway wrote this when he was in Cuba. Yeah. So probably. And then the other character is the boy. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's kind of the apprentice to the old man. But the story opens when the boy is on a different ship because the old oh, man... Oh, it is Santiago. Yeah, My the, bad. The old man hasn't caught a fish in, I think, 83 days. Yeah. So then the boy's parents have sent him off to... Go with somebody else who's actually catching who's fish. Who's actually catching fish. So then it's kind of like the old man goes out because he goes out every day to try and catch, yeah. catch fish. And he's hoping that today's the day that his luck turns. Yeah. Well, and I thought that it was super sweet, the relationship mm, yeah, I would agree. between the old man and the young boy. And the boy. Because it's like, like the part two, 
there were some details when he was describing the hut and talking about the boy bringing him his dinner, mm-hmm. where the boy says something like, "Oh, what are you gonna have for dinner?" And, and he lies, and he, and he says, lies like, and says like, "Oh, I'm having like some rice and some fish." Or yeah. Something. Something that is hearty, right? Mm-hmm. And the boy says, "Okay," and they both know that he's lying. Yeah, and I'm like, "That that was a that was touch like that breaks your heart a bit, right?" Yeah, that was that was a good moment of characterization because you're like, "Oh yeah," like you know that, like the open, mm-hmm. um, like just the lie, that, and you both know you're lying, but like you're protecting his dignity. Yeah, I really like that. It really made, endeared me to the mm-hmm. old man from mm-hmm. the beginning, and the part where he talks about. I think it's, like, a picture of his wife or something. Oh, yeah, how he can't have his wife's picture on the wall anymore because he gets too sad. Yeah, and I was like, oh. I know, right? <laughs> I know, I felt so bad about that. So he's kind of portrayed as this, like, man that's at the end of his life. Yeah, feeble. Yeah. Although very, not really. Not really, because he can But he's portrayed as, like, feeble. Yeah, and he talks about how he's so old that he doesn't actually need that much food to survive. And, yeah. Like, Just, like, this withered... withered. <laughs> withered old man yeah and but he's like this great fisherman that's been fishing his whole life because he touches briefly on like the past yeah well and his whole thing about arm wrestling Mm -hmm. arm wrestling about being like how he was like the best arm wrestler so it's really like a fall from glory yeah would you say yeah i would say that yeah so the old man goes out and he kind of goes far out further than the other ships boats that are fishing Mm -hmm. and he hopes to catch he, he the old man comments that like he's very precise in his fishing i found that interesting where he's like yeah. his lines are always perfectly straight yeah not he's like not the sloppy he's like not these sloppy. young guys yeah and um yeah and then eventually he he doesn't have he doesn't he's fishing with lines instead of yeah like, did poles. that take you a little bit to get like what is happening a little bit but then i caught on like pretty quickly yeah where he has like, all the lines off of his boat like just with the yeah. line not with the fishing rod mm-hmm um, and then he talks about how he feels the fish. This yeah. It's kind of, fish. like, interesting because it's, like, w- sort of one with the sea. Oh, very much so. But then at the same time, it's also, like, he's at battle with the sea. Mm-hmm. Because he talks about how, like, the fish is his brother and the fish is, Yeah. Like... Which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Because he, like, when he finally gets the big marlin on his line. Yeah. Which, took... first of all, I, like, Googled a picture of the marlin because I couldn't, like, actually visualize yeah. what it is. It's huge. It's I like know. this, like, kind of like a swordfish with, like, a narwhal with its, yeah. like, spike. Have you seen the picture of Hemingway holding up the mm-hmm. narwhal? That's, mm-hmm. like, what I... I knew, mm-hmm. I've seen that picture before, so I kind of knew that's what the fish was yeah. in the book. But when he first gets it, I was like, why don't you just reel that in? I know. Because <laughs> I'm too. thinking of, like, fishing in, like, Canadian lakes where yeah. it's, like, you know, the biggest you have is, like, maybe a foot long yeah. or something or whatever. And you reel it in. Like, it's not like a days-long process of slowly mm-hmm. reeling it in and hoping well, it then tires. He, he also talks about how he doesn't want to kill it then because he won't be able to get it up yeah. to the surface. It'll drag him down. It will drag him down. So it's kind of interesting how for literally three days, he is like, this fish is, like, tagging him along. Yeah. Like, yeah. And how he's like, oh, like, my hand, my left hand is giving out. Yeah, the, his left hand cramps. And he talks yeah. about his left hand has always betrayed him and, like... Yeah. But, you know, the right hand is That's when he talks about arm wrestling, I think. Well, and the other thing, too, that I thought was interesting was 
um, how he catches the other, the smaller fish. Yeah. And he eats them raw. He eats a dolphin raw. I know. He catches a dolphin and cuts like, it open. And well, he talks about how there's like different types of fish taste better. Yeah, because like, raw. Like I understood the tuna. I was like, okay. Yeah. I was but like, then, I eat sushi. I could understand yeah. eating a raw tuna. But the dolphin, I was like, oh. But I think he like he talks about how he he couldn't like cut the dolphin open too quickly. Or else it would go bad. So he knew he had to eat it. Yeah. And then there was, like, the flying fish in the dolphin that hadn't, oh, like... Oh, that was so nasty. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so it's interesting because he's talking about how he, like, he knows he's, like, okay, remember to eat at the beginning of the day. Yeah. So I have the strength to fight this fish. Well, and I just felt like it was, like, once you get into that part, I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like... And when he talks to, I also thought it was interesting when he splashes the water up to get make salt. Yeah. I was like, oh, I would have never thought of that. I know. It was so interesting. Because, like, this this trip was the first time I had swam in the ocean mm-hmm. and the salt water. And, like, I had swam in salt water pools, but it's not... It's not the same. C- not exactly the same. It's similar, but, um, like, just how salty the water is. I remember when I put my head under there for the first time at the ocean, it was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was just, it was interesting. It was and very interesting. And how he was, like, he's alone in the ocean. And he he talks about how, and he talks to, like, the fish. And he talks to, like, the bird that comes on his ship for his boat for a little while. And then I, I, I found it really also endearing how consistently he was saying, I wish the boy was here. I yeah. wish the boy was here. Yeah. That that was sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you feel like your opinion of the book, you know, sometimes when you read a book, it's like, that was the right time for this book. Or like, I was in the right place for this book. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that affected it? Because I guess you read most of it probably after we came home from the trip. Yeah. But I was reading it right as we were leading up to the trip and like the beginning of our trip. And I was like, wow, what a perfect time to read this. Because mm-hmm. we tried to also to pick a book that had to do with the type of location we'd be in. Yeah. And obviously this is, like, um, I think the Gulf of Mexico, Cuba. Gulf of Mexico? I don't know. It wasn't where we were, exactly. <laughs> but, like, the idea of being on the ocean yeah. was super relevant. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about, okay, we're in this cruise ship, which is obviously extremely different than yes. this little raft he was on. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember we were on the cruise ship and out in the middle of the water where you couldn't see land. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, this is a little intimidating for me on this giant boat. Like, imagine how he felt in this little raft. Mm-hmm. So I think I appreciated the book a little more. Yeah, I definitely thought that our experiences on the cruise added to my my liking of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I could kind of, like, I picture somewhat the locale and the weather and the, like, him. yeah, she said before, like, being in the... Being in the ocean and, like, the salt water and... Because I remember one night we were, like... <laughs> Nothing about the cruise is organic, right? Mm-hmm. It's all very manufactured. Mm-hmm. But one night we were in the hot tub at on the back of the ship. And, like, we walked up to... Where it's all open air, right? Yeah. So we walked up to the, like, railing along the back of the ship. And you look out and it's, like, looking into a void. Yeah, a black abyss. Yeah, it's, like, total darkness. Not really that many stars in the sky. Because mm-hmm. I guess it, I think it was cloudy that day. And all I could think about was, like, all those scenes where he's, like, in the middle of the night yeah. with this thing. I, I can't even. Like, that heightened it so much for me. Because I'm, like, I just can't imagine. I'm a little, like, I don't want to look at that. And I'm on a huge cruise ship. It's all lit up. Yeah. 
I definitely feel like I came to this book with a bit of a different mm-hmm. experience because of that. Yeah. Would you read more Hemingway? I think so. I mean, I'm not like going to read the next Hemingway book. Yeah. But if I was looking for some, something to read and I was like, I know I'll talk about this when we talk about the classics, but then I'm like, if I was like in the mood to read a classic, I would maybe reach for Hemingway. Yeah. I um have a couple more thoughts too on classics in general, which I do want to save for after the reading break. Mm-hmm. But before we go into our reading break, I do want to talk about our actual visit to the Hemingway house. Yeah, for sure. And how much had you read by the time we visited the house? Any? Uh, like maybe the first little couple pages. So like, I would say barely. Not, barely. Okay. Barely nothing. <laughs> Is that, does that make sense? Barely, barely nothing. nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Is that a double negative? I don't know. I do. <laughs> um, so we went to the Key West as one of mm-hmm. our last stops on the cruise and in the Key West is Ernest Hemingway's house. Yeah. And apparently it's the most popular attraction on the island. Yes. That's what we heard from, uh, who told us that? Tour guide? I think it was I a tour guide. I think it was a tour guide. So the rest of my family was like, well, what do you guys want to do? Like before we went on the yeah. cruise. And I was like, I'm going to die on this hill. I want to go here. <laughs> yeah. And luckily they were like, okay, yeah, whatever. So the interesting thing about the Hemingway house is that there's cats all over it. Yeah, there was 51, 52 cats, maybe. Yeah. And a lot of them have six toes. Yes. So they it's, have, it's very weird. <laughs> yeah, they have what they call like a mitten paw mm-hmm. off to the side. I guess Hemingway had one of these six-toed cats and then it breeded. Yeah. So that's why all the cats have that in their DNA, even though not all of them have the six toe. Yeah. Who are on the property. And they all have celebrity names. Yes, they do. So... It was really interesting because so we walk up to the house and it's all like walled in Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to go through this little gate entry and you pay for your ticket. Yeah. And then the house, like my cousin made the comment that the house wasn't as big as she thought it was going to be. Oh, our aunt. Oh, was it our aunt? Okay. I knew one of them made the comment. Yeah. Our aunt said to me, oh, you know, this, I was expecting a mansion and this is not a mansion. mansion." Like it would have been in its time. Yeah. And I remember... So we had this tour guide. I'm not going to name names, but the tour guide we had was a little lackluster. Yes. I kind of felt like saying, like, do you want me to get up there and do that? <laughs> because we had went to a talk on the cruise ship, yes. like a lecture, where they were talking about, like, different artists and how their art has influenced, like, the kind of public imagination yeah, of the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the talk he talked about, um, dang, what's that guy's name? Margarita Veldude. Jimmy Buffett? Yeah. I was going to say buddies. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett, Buffett, Ernest Hemingway, and Ian Fleming who right. wrote James Bond. Obviously. So he talked about Hemingway and Hemingway's influence. And I got like way more out of that lecture. Yeah. And he only talked for like 10 minutes. I Hemingway. know. Then we got from this tour guide. <laughs> so we walked around the house. And I guess there was some like cool innovations about like rainwater and mm-hmm. like how they used it to shower and flush toilets and stuff. And they yeah. put the tanks on the roof. So cool stuff like that. But what I found super interesting was that Ernest Hemingway's little writing office type place Mm -hmm. is above like a garage, I think it was, or like a stable or something. So you walk up these raw iron stairs and you get to just peek in because did you go up? No, I didn't. You didn't go up? No, it was really busy and I was like needed a little break. I'll have to show you the pictures. But you go up and... It's, like, a little entryway, like, like two feet by three feet, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's all, like, it's, like, wrought iron gates. Like, oh. not gates, but, like, a wall. Like, yeah. a jail cell, kind of. 
So you look through it, and like apparently his writing space is like perfectly undisturbed. preserved, undisturbed. Yeah, because they, I guess, the house went to the sons, and then um, when the sons stayed in the family until they until the museum got it. Yeah, but I just kind of like it's kind of like a shrine. Yeah, and it like it was cool, but it kind of left me a little like seriously. Like, it was very much, like, hero worship. Mm. And I'm like, you know, Hemingway wasn't... Wasn't the great guy. <laughs> yeah, like, he cheated on all his wives and, like, had drinking was, problems. I was gonna say, and, but he also struggled with, I think, bipolar That's disorder. what the guy said in the in the um, lecture, but I'm not, I don't know how to yeah, about that. He definitely struggled issues. with mental health issues. Yeah, mental health problems. But, like, that aside, like, just kind of not a nice dude yeah. to be around and, like, didn't treat people the best. And, like, kind of classic tortured artist, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm not saying I don't admire what Hemingway has produced, because, of course, yeah. I do. I think it's great. Um, and, obviously, it made a huge impact on literature. But the whole, like, office shrine thing, I just kind of had to, like, it was cool. I took a bunch of pictures, but I kind of had to shake my head at that. Because yeah. I was like, like, what do you think you're preserving in there? What's going to mm-hmm. happen if someone moves a typewriter two inches? Yeah. It just, it kind of reminds me of, like, when people, um, you know when, like, people who are, like, aspiring writers mm-hmm. go to, like, these author talks and they're like, um, so how do you set up your, like, workspace <laughs> and, like, what order do you start your day in oh, that yeah. will produce the next bestseller? They're, like, obsessed with the ritual and the, Yeah. Like, and the, the stuff that doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it's, like... And, like, it's kind of like you can't see the forest through the trees. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, that was so clear to me when we when we were looking at his writing space. I mean, like, I, I really, I thought it was cool. But I'm like, you do realize that, like, greatness doesn't live in this undisturbed room. Yeah. You know? And I, I just was a little, like, cynical, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but so, anyways, I just. Definitely, like, if you're in Key West, I would suggest you. Oh, yeah. You it was, go and it was see cool. It. I thought it was, but if you're going to go and see it, go see it in the morning. <laughs> Because yeah. by the time we left, it was very, very, it was very packed. packed. And it was definitely cool. I would recommend seeing yeah. it. And, like, all the little quirky things. Like, mm-hmm. there was a penny in the cement by the pool that he, like, his, I guess his wife built this really expensive pool when he was yeah. in Spain. With another woman. Yeah. <laughs> and when he came back, he had, like, this penny in his pocket. And he threw it at her and was like, oh, take my last penny because you spent all my other money. Yeah. And she put and it, she in, put the it in the cement. So, like, you can see that. And there's, like, a urinal he used for his cats as, like, a <laughs> drinking fountain. Like, just, it was just yeah, cool. It was like, if you're a fan of literary stuff, you should go. Yeah. But, like, just know that, like, um, going to the Key West isn't going to get you to write the next best American novel, you know? Because that was another thing that the lecturer said on the, when we were on the cruise boat. Mm-hmm. So lots of people flock to the Key West because they think they're, getting, they're looking for inspiration. Yeah. And it's like, no, inspiration doesn't come from seeing someone else's work maybe it does but it's fleeting right like you yeah. have to sit down and do the work yeah but anyways thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> i was gonna say let's bring it back to yeah. <laughs> um i guess this is a good time to go into a quick reading break yes let's do it reading break uh, should I go first? Yeah, because I just ranted forever about <laughs> inspiration and Hemingway. <laughs> okay, so after finishing The Old Man in the Sea, which I did yesterday. <laughs> oh my goodness, Shana. <laughs> um, I just picked up a book, the YA novel, 
called The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. I'm sure I'm saying her last name wrong. Um, it's a book in poetry. And you mean in verse form? In verse form. But there are poems. Okay. I don't know what. Anyways, <laughs> about a young um, Latina girl living in Harlem, I think, in New York. And it's just kind of her upbringing in a very religious family and her, like, struggle mm-hmm. with that. I'm only, I think I'm 50 pages into it. It's a super quick read because it's in verse Let form. Let me look at this. Okay. She has it sitting here on the desk. And I'm just... Oh, it's like actual poems. It's actual poems. <laughs> I was thinking it was kind of like Ellen Hopkins. No, it's you know actual how it's... poems. Because it's like her diary and she writes in poems. Is there any exposition in this? I don't think so. Uh, this like, I don't know how I feel about this. Part of me is like, wow, what a cool idea. And part of me is just like, ugh. It was roll. recommended to me by my coworker Katie, who read it on vacation and she said it was great and she flew right through it. Yeah. So I was like, and how do you find it? Like, do you feel like you can piece together a narrative? Oh yeah, for sure. There's definitely this like underlining because it's like her diary so she writes in it every day and it's like the poem that she's what she's feeling so interesting it's it's not like abstract poem at all it's very like grounded very grounded i don't know if there's a um yeah uh like a quick one is called Un- unhideable i can read the whole poem uh, it's very quick i am unhideable Taller than even my father, with what Mammy has always said, was a little too much body for such a young girl. I am the baby fat that settled into D-cups and swinging hips so that the boys who called me a whale in middle school now asked me to send them pictures of myself in the thong. The other girls call me conceited. Ho, thought, fast. When your body takes up more room than your voice, you are always the target of well-aimed rumors, which is why I let my knuckles talk for me, which is why I learned to shrug when my name is replaced by insults. I force my skin just as thick as I am. Okay. So it's kind of more like, you know. Yeah, I get it. Um, so far, it's super interesting, and I, I don't think this is going to take me too long to zip through. You'll have to update me if it's too angsty. All right, I will. So, Jenna, what are you What reading? am I reading? Well, I finished the Throne of Glass series on <laughs> vacation. That was a wild ride. <laughs> and... I am now reading her next one, which part of me is like, take a break, take a break, but I'm not going to. part of you is like, I love Sarah J. Maas so much. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm like, I need something to fill this void in my life. It's true, though. When you finish the series and you're like super into the characters, I was like, no, I need to know if they have their baby. (laughs) And it's just like the end. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah. So I um, I was like, okay, I'll try this other series. The What's it called? The Corn of Throne. Thorn and Roses. (laughs) Sorry. It's my enduring shame. I never know the titles of books. And I'm like a couple chapters into that. And I'm just reading it before bed, like yeah. super casual right now. I finished listening to Station Eleven, mm. which I didn't think I was ever going to finish. Finally did that. Um, I need to go back and reread the last half of that book in paper form mm-hmm. to really get it sunk into my head. But it was really good. And I'm listening to an audiobook, the third book in the Flavia Deleuze series. Yes. Um, I don't know the title of it either. <laughs> Classic Jenna. Okay, look, I'm looking. I'm looking at my Lydia. Let me see. It is called... <laughs> it, they all have funny names. So, A Red Herring Without Mustard by Alan Bradley. So, I started listening to that. It was like a great um library miracle. I was looking for an uh, audiobook to listen mm-hmm. to after Station Eleven. And I, was, I had this book on hold. I put it on hold at the end of December. 
And when I looked at it, it said I still had the four weeks to wait. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah. Oh. So when I <laughs> picked up another audiobook, just like this random one. It was actually called The Cuban Affair. It was oh. set in Key West. Look it, at that. I, as soon as I started listening to it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, like a kind of run-of-the-mill spy yeah. slash action novel, which is like, okay. And then this came available for me like an hour later, and I was like, perfect. So <laughs> I guess what I wanted, anyways. I know. I guess whoever had it, like, let it go to the next person in line mm-hmm. or something. So now it's for me to listen to. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading. I read so much though on the cruise. Yeah. I also read another book called The Last Book Party, mm-hmm. which was kind of like fine, like three out of five stars. Yeah. Not much to write home about though. Alrighty. But yeah, let's get back to talking about classics in general. Let's open this discussion up. Yes. Alright, back to the regular episode. So Shana, you said that you don't really, like this is a departure. The Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. book was a departure from what you normally read. So the first question you have written down on the agenda <laughs> is do you read I like how you put the classics <laughs> as opposed to a classic. It's the plural classics. Yeah. Capital C classics. <laughs> I would say no. I, I think I read when I was reading classics or I felt compelled to read the classics. It was probably like in high school, like early high school. And then I figured out pretty quickly that I don't really enjoy the classics. And I feel a little shame saying that, but... <laughs> okay. Here's how I feel about it. Um, I don't really read them either. Ah! <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Do you? I obviously read a bunch of quote-unquote classic novels in my undergrad mm-hmm. when I studied English literature. But... I think classics is really hard to define because there's different classics, right? Mm-hmm. There like, definitely is. Because just because it's old doesn't make it a classic. Mm-hmm. And I think classics are kind of what we, what is part of the accepted literary canon, right? Yeah. So. And I feel like uh, a lot of times people are like, oh, I only read the classics. Or... Which is dumb. Yeah. Because the problem with classics or like the literary canon is that it's like i hate to say this because it's so like passe but it's a bunch of old white men you know it really is and there's not much variety in voices there Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and i'm not just saying this to be all woke but i'm saying like that it's kind of boring Mm -hmm. like you kind of get the same things yeah in terms of like not always. Like, it's so hard to talk generally about it. But, like, if you're thinking about, like, you know, your your Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. and your those 18th, 1800s kind of novels, right? Yeah. You kind of get a lot of the same tropes and stuff like that. And they are classics for a reason and they have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like when I think of someone, this is a very much a stereotype, um, of someone who reads the classics, they're the type of people that are like anything modern is crap and like uh, only like oh only yeah. like old like the classics are old is better old is better and i do think there are value i've like read lots of classic things that i love and like it depends on what we're talking about right because mm-hmm. like we could be talking about like classic canadian literature and i'd be like alice monroe margaret atwood all those kinds of people which i do think are great and i do think mm-hmm. you should read them 
some are greater than others. And I like Alice Monroe way better than Margaret Atwood. <laughs> but in terms of that, I think it's like, read what you want. But mm. I just think so many people are left out and so many good stories are left out. Yeah, I would agree. And um, plus, I think sometimes like they're not the most accessible books due to the language. Yeah. And they, they are of their time, right? They really are. And they're they're dense. Sometimes. Exactly. The other thing I wanted to comment about in terms of classics, I kind of saved this comment when we were when we were talking about Hemingway. For with the Old Man and the Sea, I often feel like classics. I can't just read them on my own and get what's and get and get mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Whereas, like with the Old Man and the Sea, maybe I'm just thick. But I was like, okay, like because the whole thing is like he does end up catching the big fish, mm-hmm. but then like sharks come and eat it, basically. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So he doesn't catch the fish in the end. And well, I was I think... like, what am I supposed to get from this? And I mean, like, I could have got this myself, but I didn't really click into me until we were listening to that lecture on the boat. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, the old man in the sea is a story of the honor and keeping on the fight when you know mm-hmm. you're going to lose. And I was yeah. like, oh! <laughs> well, the old man does... What was his line? Something about how... Um, humanity like the man can't be destroyed but he can be beaten yeah so it's just kind of this this idea that you just keep you just get up in the morning and you keep going yeah and i i really like that theme but oftentimes i feel with classics the reason why i brought that up was that i feel like it's like okay i won't be able to get this if i don't take a class on it or if i don't read like the companion book because i read a bunch of books for school where when i was reading them on my own i'm like uh okay like cool but then when i went to class i was like oh i appreciate this so much more Mm -hmm. and like maybe i just need to be a little bit more of an engaged reader but i feel like with modern books i have no problem pulling out the themes and like symbolism and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so like maybe maybe this is a me problem is what i'm saying but part of that is why i'm kind of like iffy yeah on on the classics i just I also just hate the idea that, like, you have to read this to be a legitimate reader. Yeah. Who cares? Read whatever you want. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I just, like, every once in a while, I get this little, like, feeling that's like, oh, I should read a classic. And I'm like, but no, but I don't normally enjoy them. Which, I mean, if if I was a customer saying that to myself, I would be thinking, well, you just haven't found the right one. Yeah. Which I think is true. Because I think I've been, like, the only classics literature that I really read. It's like Victorian novel. Yeah. Like I've read Austin and Withering Withering Heights. Weathering Heights. That's how I feel about Weathering Heights. (laughs) (laughs) Um yeah, because mom bought me from this classic book order a set of four classic novels. Oh really? I wonder where those came from. Um in seventh or eighth grade, which I Well that's too young to really get it, I think. Yeah. But um I feel like when you're feeling a sense of obligation to read stuff, I feel like you should direct that obligation to reading things that are, like, one, Canadian, in our case, like, to understand the Canadian literary scene, two, reading voices you haven't heard before, to, like, widen your uh, empathy and, like, Mm -hmm. your... Because I think fiction extends people's empathy, right? Yeah, I would agree So, like, don't feel guilty for missing out on the classics. I would say maybe feel more guilty... That no, the guilty is not even the right word, but feel more obligated to reach for like, you know, maybe a book written by an indigenous writer or a person mm-hmm. of color or something like that. I think that's kind of our new like classic. That's where we should <laughs> redirect our our guilt around the classics. Yeah, that's what I think. 
Um, let's quickly, before the episode's up, let's talk about um, the role of classics in reader's advisory. Mm-hmm. So how often do you recommend classics when you are doing reader's advisory? Hardly ever, unless the customer asks for it. Yeah, I would say the same. <laughs> in terms of, like, the classic canon we think of. Yeah. I don't. Like, I think mainly because the only time a customer asks for it is it's normally a parent. And it's... <laughs> Well, yeah, because you work in children's. I work in children's. So, I mean, it's normally a parent, and this is a direct quote from a customer. I don't want any of that modern crap. I want <laughs> my child. My child needs to read, like, a classic or, like, a good novel. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, in that case, it's just kind of like you're just, you just got to give them what they want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I see people say to me, like, I want to read a classic. What do you recommend? And in that case, I try to steer towards the classics that I think are a little more readable. Yeah. But I won't think I would ever be like, someone's like, hey, I'm looking for something to read on vacation. I wouldn't be like, oh, here's Moby Dick. I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to do that, There's 10,000 leagues under the sea. <laughs> yeah. Although that one I wouldn't mind reading, actually. Um. Yeah. So that's the answer to that. Hardly ever, unless it's requested. Yeah. I think... If anything, if someone says, like, I'm trying to really broaden my reading mm-hmm. horizons or something, or, like, I want to have a little bit more of a context to my reading or something, I might be like, okay, why don't you try some Margaret Atwood or some Alice Monroe or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, like, I don't think I would ever recommend that. Because most people want recommendations for genre fiction. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm just looking at the questions you wrote down on the agenda. The last question you have here is, should we be recommending classics to customers? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just have such mixed feelings because there are some really good books yeah. in the classics. And I don't want to just be like, classics are stupid because they're not. They're not. But They're classics for a reason that you've hung around. Yeah, they long. stood the test of time. Yeah. But I just wish that it, the emphasis wasn't placed so much on it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, too, it's like repeated in our books. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like characters who are like bookish, they're never reading like... John Gershom or oh, like no. James Patterson in the books. They're always reading. They're reading classics. They're always reading like yeah, like Pride and Prejudice or they're reading like, Austin. They're reading. I don't know. Like, yeah, like I all I can think of is like those John Dickens. Green books where it's like oh we're like these smart, intelligent teenagers. I'm like no teenagers are reading like these all these classics just for fun and can quote them back and forth and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's like when you it's been romanticized. It know? has exactly. That's exactly what I would say. <laughs> Which is where my guilt is coming from. It is, it's true. And I don't think we should be making people feel guilty about reading things. Or making you feel... Or not reading things. Or making people feel not as smart because they're not reading. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, I have a hard time with the classics. I can read them and I can like... It's a slower read, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a slower read, but it takes a lot more effort. And sometimes for me, reading isn't about that. Reading is just an escape, right? Yeah, Yeah, it totally is for me. So that's why I don't normally reach for... The classics. It's hard um, for me to picture myself ever really recommending the classics, mainly because I don't read the classics. That's true. Like, I mean, I don't normally don't have any uh, issue recommending books to people that I haven't read. Uh-huh. Um, but that's because I can do a quick research on them. Not that I can't read the classics, but I can be like, like I know the you know them the, better. I have a list of like ten authors or ten books in my head. Children, to do with children's stuff mm-hmm. um, that I do recommend to, to kids and to parents alike who are uh-huh. who are looking for their next yeah one and I mean I guess if you th- would you consider the Chronicles of Narnia classics See, okay that's the problem is that like what is classics right yeah 
Because um, then I would say then I have recommended that because I will recommend. I think children's classics are a lot more forgiving, right? Yeah. Because, like, I read Wrinkle in Time recently, which you would I would consider that a children's classic. Yeah. It's, like, the same idea of, like, a modern classic. Mm-hmm. The canon is so wide, right? Yeah. And just, also, that just pops into not my head. wide at all. Because um, I will recommend The Chronicles of Narnia to a parent who is, like, I we read together as a family every night and we, like, series books and we yeah. want, like, I don't know, like read Harry Potter or they read something and they're looking yeah. for something in the vein. And I'm like, oh, I haven't tried the Chronicles of Narnia because it's a, it's that classic series that appeals to everyone. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like to like pause the rag on classics for a minute. Like, like you said, there is a reason why they're classics mm-hmm. and they do usually have something beyond surface level to offer. Yeah. Which I think is the value of them. Because like, like if you have someone who's like, okay, I'm I've just read, like, 20 Nora Roberts books. I yes. need something that will feed my brain. It's like, oh, okay, maybe, like, this is a palate cleanser. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, but I do feel like modern literary books can be the same, but you kind of have, there's, like, a little bit more of a guarantee with the classics. There's going to be something of more substance to offer. Mm-hmm. But, okay, let's end it on a positive note about classics. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite classic? I'm putting you on the spot. This isn't on the agenda. Um, what you've read. Favorite classic? that I've read. Oh, that's a tricky one. I mean, I kind of actually want to say it the old man in the sea. Um, only because that's this is the only classic that I've read in like probably a decade, if not longer. Really? Wow. Like, I never ever reached for for classics. And I did actually very much enjoy The Old Man in the Sea. I mean, the next one that pops in my head was just such a stir. Stereotypical like Are white you girl say answer. The Great Gatsby? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Pride and Prejudice. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like you know that's the classic like oh, every white girl likes Pride yeah. and Prejudice. So their, every girl wants to have their Mr. Darcy, which yeah. is anyways. <laughs> PMP. Yeah. Well, I guess actually, do you consider Anne Gables classic? See, that's so hard, right? Because <laughs> I consider Anne Gables part of like the Canadian classic. Um, which that I have read recently. I like Anne. Gables. I like Anne that's Gables good. too. So I am going to say, I'm actually going to say The Old Man in the Sea. Well, so Jenna. I know. Now that I have that question back at you. What's your favorite classic that you've? Um, It is hard, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's not like here's a list of the classics. Um, I'm going to go with like, this is like older classics. Like, um, I'm not going to talk about like the, the Margaret Atwoods and Mar- Alison yeah. Rose. Because those are modern classics, I would say. I'm looking at my Goodreads to see like what classics I've read recently. Not that many. Anne Gables was good. The children's classics, I think, are a little more forgiving. Yeah, they're a little they're easier to read. Oh, let me look under books I read for school. I read 71 books for school. Whoa. Oh my goodness. I really enjoyed a lot of, like, the early, kind of like the 70s, 80s Canadian writing mm-hmm. writers, but that's not what we're talking about here. I read Frankenstein in high school. That was pretty, pretty okay. I guess I haven't been wild about any of them, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes it kind of hard. Sorry, this was supposed to be like a quick question. Yeah. The answer is I don't know. I feel like I don't have a theory. I just have books I didn't hate as much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, the toss-up with classics is really hard. But you should let us know if you are a big classic reader mm-hmm. and which your favorites are. So I don't know. So that's that's you. Do let us know. Reach out to us. Um, you can send us an email at librarylifepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to the people who have sent us messages. Mm-hmm. We 
have been, like I said, we were on vacation, so we're a little behind in responding. So if that's you, um, we have read your message and we appreciate mm-hmm. it. Just hang tight. Um, we will reply to everybody. And you can find us on Twitter, mm-hmm. at Library Life Pod, at Instagram, at on Instagram, not at Instagram, <laughs> on Instagram, at Library Life Pod. That's it, right? Yeah. I feel like I say this every episode. I'm like, do we have any more? I'm like, <laughs> like we magically added another social media. And no, that's it. <laughs> okay. This concludes episode 22 of Library Life. May the good books be long and the bad books be short. Until next time.